Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, April 7th, 2019. The share IDs for Friday, April April 5th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern meeting, 12,747. That's 12747. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,750. That's 12,750. This morning, A Vision for You presents From the Grips of Fear to Freedom from Fear. The big book teaches on page 143 that to get over drinking, or for us, compulsive overeating, will require a transformation of thought and attitude. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, a way of deep and lasting transformation. Old ideas, emotions, attitudes are cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate us. The big book states that fear somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It sets in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. The big book suggests self-reliance as the ultimate root of our fear. And it further suggests that God-reliance is the answer. Yes! the actual solution to our problems of personal powerlessness, unmanageability, and that which we find threatening is finding and establishing a relationship with and a faith in a power greater than ourselves. Joining us today to speak on this very topic is Kathleen O., a recovered compulsive overeater from California, Kathleen is dedicated to our 12-step way of life, and she's a loyal servant of Overeaters Anonymous and a vision for you, and it's with great pleasure that I welcome Kathleen to the line this morning. Welcome, Kathleen. Good morning. Thank you so much, Leah. And thank you for the opportunity to share on the topic of fear this morning. My hope is that what I say will help at least one person who may in, who may be in fear right now. Or this will help you if you ever find fear taking over your mind and it feels like it's just never going to let go. So, and I just want to say that most of what I say today, it's not pretty much everything I say this morning, it's not unique. It comes from the big book or I've heard it in meetings. Um, I've heard it on vision podcasts or, you know, they're just the simple things I've learned in recovery that help me. And so I hope some of it will help you when you find yourself in fear. And I believe fear is listed somewhere around 32 times in the big book. So it's really sprinkled throughout there quite a bit. And, you know, fear isn't always a bad thing. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of wired for fight or flight. It's built into us to ensure our physical survival. And we all experience fear. Um, we need to experience it at a primal level to survive, but it's that self-centered fear that gets us in trouble. But we can be free from that too. And 
page 67 in the big book states, um, you know, as Leah mentioned earlier, is fear really can touch every aspect of our lives. And it's the evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. So when asked to choose a topic, I happened to be in what I felt like was the grips of fear. So the topic seemed appropriate. It was sort of jumping up and down, you know, oh, talk about me. And so saying I was in the grips of fear may sound overly dramatic, but the fear was real. And when the fear, you know, when it's real, I, I, I mean, I couldn't think of anything but the fear. And so something happened that threw me into that dark place of fear. And it was actually an email that someone sent me. And I immediately felt threatened by this email. And there was some anger. There was some resentment under the fear. But I didn't even notice those emotions at first because the fear was bigger and it was overpowering. And the crazy thing is this email was all of two sentences. (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't life-threatening or anything. Um, But it led me to doubting myself and that spiraled to overthinking something which I had no control over. So when it comes to fear, we always have a choice. You know, I, I, I know I have a choice. I can choose faith or I can choose fear. And they can't coexist. Um, the problem was I sort of got amnesia at that point and chose, chose the fear. And the main objective is to come to rely on a higher power and walking through fear and relying on something bigger than the fear instead of spiraling down into that fear. So it's, it's really about trust and faith. And that being said, it's not always easy for me to rely on my higher power because I can go back into my humanness really quickly. And I don't know about you, but when I choose the path of fear, I generate more character defects than I want to admit. Um, When I'm in fear, I can quickly go to resentment, to anger, to self-justification, to list a few. And then I can have one big pity party for one which leads me to procrastination and isolation. So it's just not a good place to be. Um, So I looked up the word fear and it's defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And the self-centered fear is fear of losing what we have or fear of not being able to get what we want. And in my example, it was fear of losing something I had. So, you know, fear can block us off from taking the right action. And for two days, I didn't take the right action. I wallowed in my fear instead of having faith in my higher power. And the truth is, when I choose fear over faith, it's usually traced back to not working a part of my program as well as I should be working it. And not working this program to the best of my ability is a dangerous thing for a compulsive overeater. So, you know, once we work the steps and become aware and connected with something bigger than us, we learn to trust we'll be given what we need. And page 68 describes that when we have faith and trust, we commence to outgrow fear. And I remember the first time I heard that everything I had in life was a blessing, a gift from God, that I need to be grateful for what I have. And when or if I lose it, I need to be grateful for the time I had it. And that's pretty sobering, but it's really about gratitude wrapped in faith and humility. 
And I want to describe what fear feels like to me, and maybe you can relate. And this is when I go to fear, and, I, and faith is nowhere in the picture. My heart, my heart starts beating too fast. I'm obsessing and thinking of nothing but the fear. I can't sleep. My mind is racing, and I can't seem to make that inner chatter stop. And all of this continues if I don't make a U-turn and take the path of faith and trust, which I didn't do right away. So I became prey to fear. I mean, that's what it felt like. I felt like I was like this little bunny rabbit, and I chose to go play in a field full of hungry wolves. I mean, it was, it was craziness. So what I needed to do was connect with my higher power, because the simple truth is the more closely I align my will with my higher power, my spiritual condition will become larger than the fear. And when that happens, it really is a cool thing. I mean, it, it's just, it's really beautiful. Um, so again, fear usually means, it usually stems from fear of losing what we have or fear of not getting what we want. And I feared primarily that I was going to lose something. <clears throat> so with addiction, it's very likely I'll go to the food if I continue down that path because the food will numb the scary feelings I have. It'll slow down my racing heart. It'll muffle the yapping in my mind, maybe only for a short time, but eating will accomplish all those things. And that's a scary thing. So unless I have a plan of action for fear, I'm at great risk to eat because as I've heard on the lines many times, disease starts in the mind. So I had to ask myself, um, you know, when in the grips of fear, how do I break out of that downward spiral and shift to a positive mindset where I can experience freedom from fear? Sorry, I've got to take some water every now and then because I've got this cough I'm trying to keep quiet. Um, and what if I could exist in the world without my anxiety or fear defining me to not be swept away by that fear? I want freedom from fear, but how do I tame the anxious and unproductive thoughts that come into my mind? So I want to kind of answer those questions, but, and I want to do it by talking a little bit about my food addiction and my higher power. Because without abstinence and a higher power, I will never have freedom from fear when it crops up. And it will crop up. Um, I believe I was born with a disposition to compulsive overeating. I'm just wired that way. And things happened in my childhood, which I believe triggered this addiction. And I used food at a very young age to feel better. Um, you know, that's, I, I, I can remember being very young and using food to feel better. And as an adult, you know, it would eventually make me feel awful too. But as a child, my memories of um of the food i ate and when i can when i think back to that it always tasted good and it always made me feel good and maybe because i was young so it didn't have the effects on my body that it did when i got older you know i was a kid who could never sit still so i was really active and um and i couldn't always get my hands on my drug either because i was young so i was not an overweight child um, but I did things like, you know, I stole change that I would find on my parents' dresser or in my mom's purse. And um, I used to pass this candy store when I walked to school and I would buy candy. And I walked to school because 
my I, I there was a bus I could take and I got money to take the bus, but I would walk so I would have the money for candy. Um, you know, I did things like I would I would hide food under the bed and um, you know, my mom who was not a food addict or compulsive overeater, neither was my father. I had a mother, father and brother that were all in normal sized bodies and ate normally and because I always thought I was adopted and they didn't tell me. But my mom was really concerned because as a kid, she would find food under my bed. And, um, you know, she didn't understand this. And, and you know, that kind of behavior, I mean, it just led to crazy behavior as an adult. And I sometimes think the reason I wasn't an alcoholic is because I needed something at a, real, a very young age to feel better. And food was available and alcohol was not. And I never developed any other addictions in life. And I think it's because all my energy went into mastering food addiction. And, and it really did work perfectly for me until it didn't. Um, so as an adult, I would continue to, to hide food. You know, I would hide pizza on the top shelf in the closet. I mean, who does that? I don't know if I did it because I didn't want anyone else to eat any of the pizza or I was hiding the fact that I was going to eat the entire thing by myself. And maybe it was a little of both. But, um, you know, and I was very talented at eating in the car while driving. I'm tall, so I could steer with my legs, so I'd have both hands to eat while driving. I mean, I'm talking total insanity around food. You know, I'd binge in parking lots, and I'd throw the evidence away in a public trash can so no one at home would know the food I was consuming. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about all the crazy behavior. Um, I got abstinent about 14 years ago, and I remember reading that hostess was going out of business, and that happened after I got abstinent. And I used to joke it was because I was no longer eating their Twinkies and their, you know, hostess chocolate cupcakes. Um, I mean, that's the amount of food I could consume. And, um, And I could talk for an hour about what I ate and how I ate it, my behavior around food. And it would shock most people, but it likely wouldn't shock many people on this line. And um, that's why I love being on this line, because you guys can all relate. Um, so I like to say I came into 12-step recovery for food addiction and was struck abstinent. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had so much remorse and hatred for the way I ate, the way I looked, the way I felt. And morning was always the worst. Every morning I would swear off binging. And by 11, I'd be back at it again. So when I came to my first meeting, I was ready and I was willing. And, you know, abstinence is a gift. And after seven years, I returned that gift. And trust me, God will take the gift back anytime you want to return it. No questions asked, no time limit. So I've... I've relapsed um, more than once, but I never left program. And the interesting thing is the, um, the obsession for all that garbage food I used to eat, you know, the flour, sugar, fat items, that was removed after I worked the steps. And it's never come back. Even when I go into, you know, my, my relapses, um, I've never gone back to that food. Maybe because I stayed in program, I, I, I know I could have progressed to that, but that obsession was removed and, and it's continued to be removed. Um, the, the problem that with my relapses is I'm a quantity eater and I've, you know, I'll, I'll start lying to myself and saying, 
oh, well, this is healthy food. Um, but, you know, they're, for me, they're trigger foods. They're things like, um, you know, cheese. I can't eat cheese. Some people can eat cheese. Cheese isn't bad for you. But cheese is something that I'll start off saying, oh, this is good for me. It's okay, and I can control it. Well, before long, I can't control it. And so for me, um, being a quantity eater, weighing and measuring my food is really what works for me. <coughs> Excuse me. So relapse always started in my mind. And <clears throat> the way it looks is I don't face my fears. My resentments are swept under the carpet. Anger builds up. And you'd never notice it because I'd seem fine on the outside. But I'd stuff all those feelings deep inside me. And suddenly, more food would seem the best option. So resting on my laurels always got me there. And, you know, eating would always make awful feelings feel better. Um, there are foods I need to avoid. And and it's really important that I I distinguish my, you know, red light foods. And I've heard several times recently on the line that, and for me, this is true, there are no yellow light foods. You know, cheese was one of my yellow light foods. Well, the truth is the yellow light foods need to go into the red light foods for me. Um, <clears throat> so, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like a heroin addict. Um, if you can picture like um, a sheet of paper with a line across the middle and the line across the middle is feeling normal. And, and this is how I've heard this described with heroin addicts. They take heroin and it makes them feel good and they spike above the, the level of normal. But then they drop down below the level of normal just a little bit. So then they have to take more heroin to get that feeling back. So they spike up again, but then they drop down even lower. And pretty soon they're dropping down so low that they take the heroin just to get to the, that middle line of feeling normal again. And, and it's the same way with food, you know. It only gets worse. It, it'll, it'll start out, well, I just need a little. Well, pretty soon I need more and more and more, and then just nothing's working. So <clears throat> I learned at a very young age um, not to be vulnerable, not to express my feelings, to keep quiet, and not show emotions. And part of this was due to my father. Um, he didn't like to see me upset, so he un unknowingly taught me to stuff my feelings. And he did that by when I would cry, he would get upset and he'd say, you know, um, stop crying. I mean, he just, he hated it when I cried. And I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I had this, not to bring up a bunny rabbit again, but I had this rabbit and it got out and the dog next door chased it and it went into shock and I was holding it and it died and I was just hysterical. And he got so upset with me being hysterical, he told me I was never going to get another rabbit again. I mean, and, and he wasn't being mean. He just, that's how much he hated me crying. And I don't know where that came from, but um, I learned to just stuff it. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I also believe that part of this, this not being able to be vulnerable, and I still struggle with it today, is, was due to a non-family member who I spent most of my waking hours from the age of two to five. Um, my mom chose to go back to work when I was two which provided more financial security, but it robbed me of emotional security. And, um, you know, my mother didn't know that was happening. And then I went to Catholic school in my grammar school years, and those nuns were very scary. So none of these people meant to harm me, but my memories of those times were filled with fear. 
They were scary people to me, and I didn't feel safe with them. And I certainly didn't feel any kind of love from them. So my memories of those times were obsessing over food. I mean, I used food to feel better. It was the only thing I could, I knew what to do. You know, I knew how to do. And, you know, I mean, when in school, I couldn't wait to eat lunch every day. I mean, truly, and this is sick, the lunchbox was the highlight of my day. Um, And I obsessed over what the other kids were eating. Um, I was always figuring out as a child how to get more of my, you know, flour, sugar, fat items. Um, And I could never understand. I would sit and look at people who, you know, kids who would eat half their sandwich or they wouldn't eat the snack they were given. It's like, how do they do that? You know, give it to me, I'll eat it. Um, So it's no surprise that, um, you know, it was easy for me to choose the path of fear, that every decision and choice I made in life was based in fear. Um, I chose the wrong husband because I feared I'd never get married. I passed up job opportunities because I feared I wasn't good enough or I wasn't smart enough. And whenever I experienced fear and anxiety, I ate. It was the go-to. So what is the antidote for fear? Um, You know, it's simple. Faith in something greater than me. A spiritual awakening, a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience starts with step two. Um, If I don't believe in a higher power, I'm not going to have a spiritual awakening any more than I'm going to drive my car to my destination if I don't put gas in the tank. So I want to talk a little bit about believing in a power greater than myself. When I came into OA in my 20s, I, I went to a meeting with a friend. We were, you know, eating buddies, and um, we wanted to be skinny, not fat. And the person speaking, all I heard was the word God. And because of my Catholic school days, um, I just had this aversion to hearing that. And so at the break, we hightailed it out of the room, and I never went back. It was decades before I got back into the rooms. So for anybody who doesn't, um, and, you know, I think they say 50% of us are agnostic or um, or atheists. There's a lot of people that um, God kind of makes them cringe a little bit. Um, so for me, and I don't have that problem anymore. I love the word God. I use it, but I also use higher power a lot. Um, my God is not a religious God. It's a spiritual God. And God is everything or God is nothing. And everything is literally everything. So I see that as God can literally be anything we choose. It's a God of my understanding. And all I have to do is get a God of my understanding and believe in it. And And the sky is the limit. You know, I had to I had to come to accept that I couldn't overcome the mental obsession to eat or the physical addiction to food and stay stopped without a God of my understanding. So that's my understanding. Anything I want my God to be. I can and you know, I realized I could have faith in the possible or faith in what faith in what is possible or faith in what isn't possible. So I made the decision it was possible that the God of my understanding could do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And it worked. Um, I've always believed in a higher power, but I didn't call that higher power God. And again, you know, Catholic school was full of negative experiences and I equated, equated that with God. And the God I was that I learned that was taught to me in school was a punishing God. Now, if you interviewed all the kids I went to school with, they would not all have had this experience. So clearly it was about me, not 
anything else that was going on. Um, so thankfully today, using or hearing the word God does not make me cringe. Um, I define my higher power as light and love, and I feel my higher power best when I'm in nature. You know, if I'm walking on the beach or hiking in the mountains, I really, I do feel it's it's easier to be calm and, um, you know, slow that mind chatter. Um, and oh man, that crazy mind chatter. Um, something I heard, which I love, is my mind is a dangerous neighborhood, and it's best I stay out of it. So, and I don't know if you've had the pleasure of just kind of give you an idea of what, you know, how, um, what God feels like to me. Um, but I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of, of going to Sedona in Arizona. Um, but there's some amazing power in those red rocks, and it's almost tangible. And not that I have to go to Sedona to feel God, but, but that God feeling is, is really amazing. Um, so freedom from fear comes from turning to the power. If I turn to light and love, if I turn to God, I can choose not to listen to that fear chatter in my head. I can simply dismiss those thoughts and turn to positive thoughts. And, you know, fear will throw me into fight or flight mode where relying on a higher power can bring me to rest and repair. And that's repair of my mind and of my body. So the power that made my body heals my body and my mind if I stay connected. And that's the key for me. I have to stay connected. I need to make contact with this intelligence, this power that gave me life and keeps my heart beating, especially when I'm experiencing fear and anxiety. You know, there are infinite possibilities when I choose to focus on my higher power. So freedom from fear comes from perceiving the world through a different lens. Um, Writing helps me examine how I set the ball rolling. And the fear inventory teaches me to look at what I'm dealing with, the cause, and it lets me know what is threatening me or what it's trying to take away from me. So I always have to ask myself, what is my part in it? How have I contributed to this event? And going deep will give me freedom. I, you know, I must ask God to remove the fear and ask what I can do for another because, hold on one second, my phone is doing weird things here. Okay. Um, because when I focus on other people, it, it will just really clear things, clear things well. Um, so we're promised fear from people and economic insecurity will leave us. And that doesn't mean those things won't exist, but it does mean that in working these steps, I'm going to change. So, you know, I'll, I'll, for me, it's about, um, really, people can't harm me. And, um, and, I, and it's, about, it's about just knowing that God's got my back. Um, I have to remember the teachings of this program. When I don't get what I think I want, I like to remember something my first sponsor said to me, and I use this a lot, is God's rejection is God's protection. And so if I had even thought of that, when I read this email, um, and you know, basically this email, it, it, it had to do with this, this business that I started after I retired. Um, and, and my fear was that, um, well, first of all, these two sentences, I thought, oh, this person doesn't like me. 
oh no, they're going to write a bad review. Um, and I was reading into it because it was two sentences. And, um, and had I thought, you know, God's rejection is God's protection, I would have immediately thought, um, okay, you know, that's okay. Not everybody likes me. Um, and maybe there's a reason and, and uh, maybe it's good this person is going somewhere else. Um, maybe she's one of those problem people. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I didn't do that right away. So it's really important. I, I remember some of these things that I have learned. So, you know, I start to see things differently. I see rejections as blessings. Um, one thing I learned is to not take things personally. I trust that the higher power of my understanding has my back and that there's a reason if things don't go my way or if someone says something that, you know, potentially is kind of hurtful. Um, so once I pause long enough to get some distance from the fear that came from that email, I was able to make, I was able to become conscious of the presence of my higher power and lose my fear. I was able to get distance by doing a fear inventory and a resentment inventory. And, and I cannot not do those things. Um, and in the end, I knew in my heart I was getting everything I needed. So the most effective alternative to fear is complete reliance on our higher power. And when, you know, staying spiritually fit, I, I'll remember to take a few minutes to sit quietly when I'm in fear before it starts to spiral out of control. It's taking the pause. And there's an acronym I, um, um, for pause, pray and unload selfish emotions. And that works for me um, because really it so much is centered around selfishness. It's like, I want things my way. And I need to unload those emotions because those kinds of things will what, what, what help me spiral downward. And two things I learned in 12-step recovery, <laughs> and they're both pretty liberating actually, is one, I could be wrong. And two, not everyone is going to like me. And um, I, I love that. It's like, okay, good. Um, so it helps me to pause. Like when, I'm in, when, I, when I do go into fear, it really helps me to pause and to breathe in a slow count of six, breathing in light and love. And then holding that breath and that light and love for a count of six and then exhaling for a count of six. And when I have fear, I exhale the fear for a count of six. And, and that I find is really helpful. And it, and it reconnects me with my higher power. Um, and, and it's all good. Um, I mean, this really does work. So, you know, sometimes my fears come from feeling judged. And one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know where this came from, but I love this is you will be free the moment you stop worrying about what other people think of you. And I absolutely love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about meditation. Meditation, um, you know, for anyone who, because meditation is a big part of this puzzle. Um, and we have to have all the pieces to see the picture. And I was a person who thought, oh, I don't have time to meditate or I would have intentions, but I really wouldn't follow through with them, so they really weren't very good intentions. Um, but then I started to just think, okay, I'm going to do five minutes of meditation. And, and meditation can be kind of addicting. Um, it's, 
and it's 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 like getting on the right train in the morning to get to my destination you know um but meditation it it can remove stress i mean the reality of it is it can remove stress and stop the mind from calling the shots and at its most basic level it shuts down that fight or flight and fear it calms the mind it's so important and you know am I going to get up in the morning and turn the news on the first thing in the morning and fill my mind with everything that's wrong in the world? Or am I going to practice mindfulness? Um, you know, my day goes so much better when I practice meditation first thing in the morning. I feel like it purifies my mind and my consciousness and it helps me slow my breathing, which is always a good thing. And so what I do, and, and I, I do walking meditation also, um, and, and that's usually where I'll do my prayers is when I'm doing a walking meditation. But in the morning when I do my just, you know, meditation is I just sit quietly in a chair, I close my eyes, and I practice mindfulness. And there's no right or, way, right or wrong way of thinking or feeling. Um, I just try to tune into what I'm sensing in the present moment and acknowledge any thoughts or feelings without judgment. And there are just so many benefits to meditation. It doesn't cost anything, and we can do it anywhere at any time. And it's one activity that's going to refund you back the time you spend doing it because it's believed that meditation has a reversal effect on biological aging. So, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to sign up for that? It's like, you know, give me that. I want to reverse biological aging. That That's like really cool. And, and, emotionally and in the mind it really does feel that way you know meditation quiets the mind and that leads to a greater sense of inner peace and happiness and that is what i just crave in life um the day is just better i do think of other people instead of myself when i start off this way so i'm going to close with um just a reminder to transfer fear into love um, you know, fear holds us back and it keeps focus on the idea of what is lacking, whereas love fills us with positivity and power. And it's really important to write down our fears because sometimes it's easier to let go of them when we put them on paper. I know it is for me. I can't let go of them if I don't even know they exist. And listening to another person with empathy and non judgment, you know, shifting attention to others that that's always, I mean, you know, that um, doing the fear inventory and saying the fear prayer, um, you know, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And, and then, you know, and, and helping, helping someone else, going and helping someone else is always, always works for me. Um, it's easy to shut down during times of fear and go into the isms. And so, you know, the next time when in fear, fight to keep your mind and heart open to possible courses of action and having a support net network and don't isolate. And remember the law of attraction. Doing good for others helps you attract more goodness into your own life. And I find that when I give love and I come from goodness, that I end up having those people start. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, it, it's just amazing. It, it really does work. Um, you know, life is as beautiful or as terrible as we make it. And it's important to focus on joy and love and meditate and send love to others. So um, 
I heard this in a yoga class, and I'm just going to close with this because I think it's cool. We can't reach for anything new if our hands are full of yesterday's chunk. So um, I don't know who wrote that, but I like it. And with that, I'm going to pass Leah. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for this helpful and awesome presentation this morning. I know it helped me out. (laughs) Thank you so much. Today's share ID... 12,753, that's 12753 for this morning's presentation. Kathleen's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. We will transition now for question and answers. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. I'll need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Who has a question today? Carol H. Carol H. Anyone else? All right, Carol, go ahead. You're going to be the icebreaker. I'm sorry. Rowena, is that you? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Carol, go right ahead, please, with your question. Cynthia Sloggy Who jumped in there? Roz Cynthia G. I'm sorry for interrupting. Roz G. Okay, perfect. We'll go with these three for the moment. Carol H., go right ahead. Thank you, Leah. <clears throat> Thank you, Kathleen. Um, Thank you for the new um, understanding or new wording of pause because I hadn't heard the unloading selfish emotions, so I'm going to keep that one. That's great. Um, Can you speak a little bit more about your walking meditation? Sure. Um, So I like to get out early in the morning. Um, I've always been an early riser. I love the morning. I always, I always used to, you know, I always think if uh, I could keep the hours of seven to nine, because there's so much I can get done in those hours. Um, it's quiet. There, there are not a lot of people out at seven in the morning, and um, and basically, I just I walk and I I listen, I listen to the sounds that normally I don't hear. Um, and it just kind of, it calms my mind. It, um, you know, I love to walk. I've always loved to walk. And, um, and walking early in the morning and just being outside. I, I live in an, an area, I, I live in the Sierra foothills. So um, it's kind of like living in the forest and, or in a park. And um, so the, the area that I can walk in is just, um, very serene and, you know, very little traffic early in the morning. There's hardly anything. And so there's just, you know, it's just beautiful. I mean, I can usually see the sun coming up and, and that's, it's just a way to, to keep my mind calm and, you know, and have some mindfulness um, because, you know, that's really what my goal is to be mindful and, you know, be in the moment. Um, so, but yeah, that's walking meditation is just doing it quietly and I do it early when there's no distractions and just listening. There's a lot of sounds that you hear when you're just focusing on listening. So thanks for the question, Carol. 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Carol H. Rowena K. Oh, hi, this is Rowena Kay from the United Kingdom. Um, thanks for your um, your, your story, um, Kathleen. I, I made a lot of notes as you were speaking. Um, I have this fear, though, and it, you know, I've I've been trying to. Well, I've, I've outreached. You know, I've done a fair inventory with it, and I've done you know several things, but I can't seem to shift it. And I just wondered whether you would be able to, you know, maybe give me some, you know. Advice on how to get rid of it, basically. Well, um, yeah, thanks, Rowena. I, I I know that feeling. It's like, how is this ever going to go away? Um, and you know, there's. It's like we really have to. For me, when I'm when I can't let go of the fear, it's usually because I'm I'm wanting to control and arrange things, and um, and I've got to let you know we need to let go of that. Um, we don't have control and, and it's about, you know, if it, if it has to do with, with a person or something, I, or, you know, I have to forgive that person. I have to forgive myself. Um, that's the only way I'm going to stay healed. And, you know, faith in a higher power will, will give me whatever I need to deal with it, with whatever comes my way in life and whatever life brings. And I have to like count on that. So, I mean, we can't, we just can't, you know, we can't control things. So if, if, if you continue to, um, I mean, sometimes you might have to do that fear inventory more than, more than once, you know, um, I'm fearful of, why do I have the fear? Where was my trust and reliance? Was it in my finite self or infinite God? You know, did self-reliance work and say the fear prayer? Um, and ask God, you know, what, what would you have me do? Um, usually the answer I get is, is, uh, you know, let it go and go help other people because when I help other people, it goes away and worrying about things doesn't change anything. You know, all it does, it'll make you crazy and, um, makes me crazy when I worry about stuff. It's like, okay, I, what is the point in worrying? You know, what if today is my last day? Am I going to spend my day worrying about something I can't control? So, um, you know, it's really doing every aspect of the of the program and and making sure that there there is no resentments, you know, underlying that. And and if you have resentments, you know, do a, do a resentment inventory. So I hope that helps, Rowena. Thanks, Rowena K, for your question. Roz G, your turn. Good morning, Kathleen O. Thank you for your talk. And you kind of um, answered my question in the last share, but I'll just ask you again. If you get a call for a 10th step on a fear, how do you take that person through it? Like an outreach call. I have a fear. I want to do a 10th step. How do you take them through Um, it? That kind of thing. Thanks, Rowena. Well, again, um, it's Roz G. Actually, or sorry, sorry, Roz. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that, Roz. Um, you know, again, it's it's following the instructions in the Big Book. Um, you know, I'll ask them if they did 
the fear inventory. And, and, you know, I mean, we can walk through it together. You know, I'm fearful of, why do I have the fear? Where was my trust and reliance? Um, and, and really, it's about, um, it's about figuring out where you think God wants your attention to be and, and how, what God wants you to be. I don't think God wants us to be in fear and worry. You know, we weren't created to, um, to be miserable in life. And, you know, I, I always think that God wants us to be kind and loving and patient and tolerant and, and look at, again, direct our thinking to, you know, to something else, to someone else. Um, where can we be helpful? Because, and, and, you know, the fear may come up again, but again, it's just, it's just, um, I mean, sometimes I have to turn a fear over, you know, a dozen times a day to, to God. Um, and, but when I, when I direct my thinking elsewhere, it takes the charge off it. And I mean, you know, None of us have died yet. I mean, we're still all here. So um, it, it, it really is about, um, you know, just, just trusting that everything's going to be okay. And that takes practice. I mean, it really does take practice. Um, for me, being able to, you know, that let go and let God, um, it's, it's not always an easy thing to do. But when I can do it, it's really amazing. Um, so, yeah, I hope that helps, Roz. Thank you. Thanks, Roz G., for the question. Who else has a question today for our speaker, Kathleen O.? Cindy D. Cindy Sherry D. D. Is that Sherry? Yes, Sherry D. And Sherry Sherry. Okay, thank you. Kathy C. Julie E.B., I hear you. Sherry K.B. Kathy C. Sherry K.B. Kathy C. Anne Marie M. Anne Marie. All right, that's a good group. Let's go with that. Beginning with Cindy D. Everybody else, please mute. Thank you. Thanks, Leah, and thank you, Kathleen, for your share. It was great, and um, I appreciate what you said about transferring fear into love, and I'd like to hear a little more, if you could, about how you do that, what process you go through. So um, thanks for the question, Cindy. Um, So the fear I had with this person who wrote kind of this curt email to me, I had to, I had to like kind of go to the source, you know, first I had to do a resentment. Um, But it's about, I mean, really it's as simple as taking that, you know, taking the source of that fear and, and transferring it to love. It's like, I, I, um, it's, it's, it was, really sending loving thoughts to this person um, and and just sort of coming from love. When I, when I do that, just when I, it's like, okay, I'm going to move forward and I'm going to come from love today. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to come from fear. I'm going to come from love. And that kind of 
changes how I, you know, react to people that I come across. Um, just being kinder, um, you know, going out of my way to see how their day is. You know, it's like, even if it's a matter of, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store and, and, and buy a food item I need. And I'm going to pay attention to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to think of myself as I'm going through that grocery store. I'm going to look around and see if there's, you know, maybe I can get out of someone's way or hold a door open for someone who's elderly or, or, you know, be kind to the person when I'm coming out of the check stand and acting interested in them. Um, when I do that, I'm not, I'm not focused on my fear. I'm just trying to emulate, you know, love and kindness out there. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks, Cindy. It does. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you, Cindy D. Sherry D., your turn. Kathleen, thank you very much for your share today and um, your service, Leah, and everybody on the line. Uh, my question is, my question has to do with putting down the food. And what did you do um, to initially put down your food to begin to work the program and the steps and attain the freedom and peace that you are experiencing today? Thank you. Well, thanks, Sherry, for the question. Um, so, you know, I, I came in very willing and we have to be we have to be willing and we have to surrender but the main thing is to take action and i was just ready to do it i mean we have to really be ready to do it you know this doesn't work if we're not 100% ready um and so I was I I came in where I was actually given a food plan and that food plan worked for me um but you know whether we I mean you know go to a nutritionist get a food plan get something that that is healthy the main thing is to avoid any kind of trigger foods and for me because I'm a quantity eater, weighing and measuring was really what worked for me. And, and eventually, um, and you know, the thing is, it's like, I really started feeling really good right away. Um, the food I was eating just made me feel good. It made me feel healthy. It made me felt clean. Um, and because it was, you know, for me, weighed and measured was really helpful. If I'm given, if I'm given, you know, much slack, um it's it's difficult so i just i just had some for me being rigid in my food plan worked for me and not rigid in you know i was starving myself i got plenty of food um but it's just it's taken the action to just like okay i'm going to do this it helped me to write down in the beginning of the day what i was going to eat and it also helped me to commit it to somebody um i don't do that anymore but that was very helpful in the beginning. And once it becomes that, 
it, it's almost like it becomes a habit. You get in the habit of um, doing something. You know, if you do something long enough, I think they say it takes 100 days and it'll become a habit. You know, I worked in the dental field for a long time and used to tell people, floss your teeth for 100 days, it'll become a habit. You'll do it the rest of your life. And um, so it's, it's really just taking, it's, it's taking the action of, of okay, this is this is my plan, and this is what I'm going to follow, and um, and being ready to do it, being 100% ready to do it. You got to be ready to do it. You got to. Um, it, I think it's important, Sherry, to. Um, and sometimes it's just like kind of powering through it. You know what really helped me is the first day when I put the food down and got abstinent. I had had a habit um, of stopping at Starbucks every day on the way to work. And whenever I think of Starbucks now, I think of there was a time when I'd be in line at Starbucks prior to program and be very conscious of the person behind me thinking, that person's probably thinking, you know, I've got a big butt or I'm fat or because I was. And, um, and here I'm in line buying all this garbage. And, um, and when I would go past Starbucks on the way to work, because I literally stopped there every day, that was my habit. And I told myself, you know what? Um, I'm not going to stop there today. Maybe I will tomorrow, but I'm not going to stop there today. And I did that day after day after day after day after day. And pretty soon I went by Starbucks and didn't even notice it. Um, and it was, and it's really, it's really like crazy when that happens. It's like, oh, it's sort of like, you know, Easter's coming up and I don't, I forget that all that stuff goes with Easter until I walk in a store and see it. And it's like, oh yeah, I forgot it's Easter. You know, that used to be my go-to for lots of binge foods. Um, so, so really Sherry, it's just, you got to put the food down and do it a day at a time. You can do anything for one day and don't worry about tomorrow. You know, I would trick my addict and say, you know what, maybe I'll eat that tomorrow, but today we're not going to do that. And that seemed to help me. So thanks Sherry. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sherry D. Julie E.B., it is your turn. Hi, this is Julie E.B., and um, I really liked what you said about fear and not like uh, in my life, but some things about um, when I still have that fear. Sometimes it's because I won't take that action, and um, I... I notice and put down some of the people in my life for their opinions, a lot of the things you pointed to, uh, the things outside of what God thinks about me. And I, I really was wondering what you do with that because my character defects rise up, and I know God is the one that's removing my defects. Um, but getting willing, where you go with step six and seven in this whole process. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Julie. Um, so, you know, not not taking the action. Um, that's why I think it's really important to have a network, um, to have people that you can call up and, um, you know, take, that will, that will really walk you through things um, and, and not isolating. Um, you know, the, the character defects, they do. It's like they, they just rear their ugly head when when we're not you know working this program the way we should and so it's it's constantly working 
you know, the steps and, and doing inventory and, um, and, you know, having, yeah, getting the willingness. It's, <laughs> again, I think getting the willingness, it's, it's so easy to go into procrastination and isolation. And so having this network is going to be huge, you know. Um, you know, I, I have to remember that, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always wake up with the brain of an addict, and, but I always have a choice. And I can live in the solution or I can go back to the, the hell of the disease. So it, it is working, you know, working all the steps and, and, and definitely having a network. I mean, I couldn't do this without all you guys. So thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie E.B. And now Sherry K.B., your turn. Um, good morning, Kathleen. Thank you so much for your, your share today. It was awesome. And thank you so much, Leah, for your service. Um, really appreciated your share. Very timely for me today. Um, what do you do when you have to face, for example, a loved one um, and you, something you have to talk to them about? Um, and I know that for me, you know, I have my own fears, but some are more scarier than others. And one is facing up to my loved one to tell him something that I know it's not going to be pleasant to say. And I can tell that I go into anxiety and fear. Can you tell me what you would do around something like that, please? Thanks, Sherry KB out there in Santa Cruz, or Capitola, I think you are, um, today, (laughs) early in the morning. Um, Man. So, you know, it's a great question because when I I have to talk to my husband about something that isn't pleasant, um, I really have to... I, I, I go into meditation. I go into, you know, I just, I get connected with God and it's like, okay, how do I, how can I say this with love and kindness and, and not make him feel, you know, like I'm attacking him. Um, so, and it is, it's hard. Sometimes it's, you know, whether it's a loved one or just someone that we need to, you know, tell our truth to in a kind and loving way. Um <clears throat> It's difficult. I mean, you know, God, that'll get my heart racing too, you know. Um, but I find if I if I go into it, if I if I just kind of go into it with, I, I have to make sure that I'm not being judgmental, that I'm not coming from judgment, um, that I'm not coming from criticism, and that I'm just telling, you know, my truth in a really kind and loving way. And it doesn't mean it's going to change anything or that person's going to get what you're, you know, um, trying to convey. Um, but usually if it comes from love and kindness, they'll, they'll see it, you know. It's, it's really important that, that, they don't feel, that they don't feel judged. So I have to go into it not judging, and sometimes that's hard. Um, and, and, I, and I need to know what my motives are, you know. Is this something that's going to help me, going to help this person? Or is it just because I want something my way? Because if it's that I want something my way, um, 
then I don't even, I won't even go there. Um, you know, there's a lot of things where I just keep my mouth shut. You know, there's a gift of being able to just keep my mouth shut. Um, so I don't know if that helps, but thanks, Sherry. Thank you, Sherry KB. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Kathy C. Hi, good morning. May I be heard? Yes, go right ahead Thank with your question. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, for your service. Uh, this is Kathy from Montreal, Canada. Um, you've mentioned the ism, you know. Um, can you expand on that? Sure, Kathy. Um, the isms are the I, self, and me. And when I go into the isms, you know, um, it's all about me. And it's a dangerous place to be. The isms is, you know, what what made life horrible. Um, it's what made me eat. It was all, you know, when I'm when I'm always thinking of me, I, self, and me, um, things do not go well. They just don't go well. And and I don't think that's the. I think that's like one of the mysteries of life. You know, if I can get out of the isms and into others, you know, not be self-centered, but other-centered, God-centered, and think of others and do for others, there's there's something, um, <clears throat> there's something about doing service and helping other people. You know, it's, it's, it's just like this program. Um, when we help others, like when I help others, I get so much more back, you know. Um, when I talk to my sponsees, they're like, you know, they'll say, oh, thank you so much for your time. It's like, no, thank you for yours, you know. They're, I, I swear they're helping me more than I'm helping them. And so when we can just be of service to um, others and, and not just in program, but just out there in general, so much comes back. It's it's really amazing. And I'm going to give you this interesting example. I, I founded um, a nonprofit, oh gosh, 17 years ago. And and it was before I came into program. And um, and basically I'm I'm a I love animals. They're my passion. And and it's a it's a puppy rescue. And and I founded it because I was volunteering at a shelter and watching all these puppies get euthanized. And I said, ah, stop doing that. So anyway, um, I started rescuing all these puppies from the shelter and finding them homes. And people said, oh, turn it into a nonprofit. So anyway, I ended up turning it into a nonprofit. Well, at the beginning, <clears throat> I was really trying to control everything because it was about me, right? Um, no, I know what's right. You know, you need to do it my way. And thank God I came in and did the steps fairly quickly after I founded this nonprofit because I started just letting go and realizing I don't know it all. Um, don't pass up opportunities for amazing people to come on board. And this nonprofit is very successful today. And I have to say that I, I didn't do that much. I mean, I did a lot. I still do a lot. But what made it successful were allowing people to come in and be helpful and have their own ideas and 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 let them go with it and as soon as i let go of control it just it took off and um so 
it's so important to stay out of the I, self, and me when, when it, it's amazing the things that, that we can accomplish in life when we stop making it about ourselves and start making it about others. You know, I never would have been um, able to do what I've done um, if I hadn't come into 12-step recovery because I, I would have killed the whole thing, you know, as far as that example I'm giving you. So thanks for the question, Kathy. Thank you for the question, Kathy C. And Anne-Marie M., your turn. Thank you, ladies, both, for for your service. Appreciate it. Um, Kathy, I'm not sure if this makes any sense because it almost sounds like to meditate is is just a, a natural thing. You just do it. Did you need to learn how to meditate? And if you... If you did, how did you do that? Um, and how do you keep still? Um, so how did you begin meditating? And did you, is it something that you had to learn or have you been doing it for a long time? Thanks. Well, thanks for the question, Anne-Marie. Um, no, I I didn't learn. I just <laughs> I I just sat in a chair and closed my eyes and started taking some deep breaths. And um, truly, there's no right or wrong way to meditate. Um, It's not like we have to sit on a hill and cross our legs and have our hands in that, you know, position that they do in yoga and stuff. Um, Just sit in a chair. I I have a comfortable chair in my room, and um, I just get my blanket and put it around me and... It's usually dark when I meditate because I get up early and I just close my eyes and <clears throat> and I'm it it just it's like okay I'm going to do this for five minutes and I have Alexa and I oh I shouldn't have said that now I triggered her um, but I asked to you know set a timer for five minutes and and then when the five minutes are up I'm like oh I could have done that longer so. I now what I do is I set a, I set a timer for 20 minutes. Um, I usually do at least 15, but 20 minutes is kind of it, it's like once I get into it, it just feels good, you know. And I just kind of so start with five minutes and just sit comfortably in a chair and close your eyes and breathe. Um, and you'll just you'll you'll it it really does get addicting. It just feels so good. It's like you'll notice that your day starts better. Um, you know, I do when I I get up in the morning, and one of the things I really resisted in program um, that I was told to do was get down on my knees in the morning, get down on my knees at night. And it's like, oh no, I did that when I was a kid. I don't do that anymore. And one time, someone um, in in one of the meetings said, she goes, you know. My sponsor kept telling me to get down on my knees, and she said, and I told her I'm Jewish. We don't, we don't get down on our knees and pray. And, and so her sponsor told her, well, throw some slippers under the bed, and when you get down there to retrieve them, you know, say X, Y, and Z when you're on your knees. And I thought, that's kind of funny. And, um, and I started doing it. I didn't throw my slippers under the bed, but I thought, okay, how hard is it to get down on your knees? 
And just, you know, in the morning, I mean, I will very quickly say, please divorce from yourself, pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives, that I may be patient, kind, loving, and tolerant today. And um, and then I'll, you know, I'll do my meditation. And it just, it feels right. It feels good. So, and, and in keeping still, I think you'll morph into that if you just if you just sit quietly. And, and for me, it helps to do it early before, you know, there's a lot of noise going on or there's a lot of stuff going on in the house. Um, you know, my dogs are still sleeping, which is nice. Um, and one of them will always curl up on my lap and it just feels right. You know, it feels good. So it's a matter of, it, I would, if, if you have problems meditating, try to do it first thing in the morning and just do it for five minutes and see how it feels. And again, you'll get in the habit of doing it and you're, and, and you're not going to not want to do it. So thanks, Amory. Thank you. Thank you, Amory, for the question. This will be our final invitation for questions. Anyone else with a question for Kathleen? Karen. Karen, the... Karen B., Karen B. There we go. Thanks. Mag C. Mag C. Star one to unmute if you'd like to ask a question. Okay, let's go with these two. Karen B. Thank you so much for um, your talk this morning. It was really awesome, and I learned a lot. Can you just review the pause for me, the, the acronym, you, the words you use for pause? <laughs> sure, Karen. Um, <laughs> pray, <laughs> pray and unload selfish emotions. Um, when, when I'm agitated or doubtful or, or feeling fear or resentment or whatever, whatever is going on, I'll just pause. It's like I got to take that pause or um, especially if I'm irritated or doubtful, it's like pause, you know, and um, and it's it's unloading selfish emotions. I mean, there's usually emotions going on for me that are selfish. So I just like that because it reminds me, um, okay, you know, do you have some self-seeking stuff going on, some selfish, you know, dishonesty, any of that stuff, but it's usually for me selfish. And um, so that's what it is. Pray and unload selfish emotions. I like acronyms. What can I say? <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much. I'm a teacher, and I love my acronyms, too. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Mag C, your turn. Hello, everybody. This is Mag C from Denver. Thank you so much, Kathleen. That was just, it was just beautiful, and I really just wanted to hear you talk more about where you find your higher power at its at its deepest because that was just beautiful. I just want to hear you talk about it again. <laughs> um, you know, I do. Um, thanks, Maxie. I do find it when I'm out in nature. Um, I can feel it when I'm in when I'm meditating, when I'm quiet and meditating. Um, but when I can get out in nature, it's it's just really incredible. You know, I. My husband and I, when we retired, we, we got a motorhome and we were we drove around a lot in it. Um, and 
the United States is so beautiful. I mean, there are so I was I was fortunate, you know, the first convention that Vision had in New Jersey. Um, I don't like going anywhere without my dogs and I don't like getting on an airplane and that whole thing. And so I said to my husband, hey, you want to drive me to New Jersey? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so we drove cross country and there are so many beautiful things in the United States and so many beautiful places. And, you know, I mean, mountains, waterfalls, um, just when I look at those types of things, it's like I can just go in the zone. I just, it, it's just so, it feels so God to me. It's like, I can't believe the beauty that God has created for us to see. And, um, and you know, and I can find that just going outside in the morning and, and you know, going out at right before the sun comes up and which hasn't been coming up too much in California because it's getting a lot of rain, wahoo. But, um, you know, when the sky starts to get bright and to me, that's God. It's like, I just like, good morning, God, you know, you know, let me be filled with you today and let me come from, I mean, it's that whole light and love thing. It's just fill me with light and love and that I can, you know, go out and, and be helpful, you know, and be of service. Um, And when I'm, when I really fill myself with that and I, you know, um, one of the things that when I said that I'm, you know, when fear comes up and I don't let go of it, it's usually something, some part of my program I'm not working. And the part that I wasn't working was I don't do enough writing. Um, and I do, it's like, you know, I'll rather than notice right away, okay, I have this resentment and I got to do it. I got to do, you know, I got to write this out. I got to do a resentment inventory. Um, and then calling and giving it away. Had I done that, that fear would have gone away really quickly. And, but I didn't do that. And, and, Part of it was because I hadn't been, it's real easy for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a pro at sweeping resentments under the, under the rug um, and thinking, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. I don't, I'm not going to hold on to that. Um, but I really need to be more mindful of that. I, I need to be more mindful of, um, you know, that I do need to do more writing. I do, writing is good and I, I tend to not want to do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm one of these crazy people. It's like, well, I don't want to write it out because what if I die tomorrow and then somebody finds it? And so I'm, <laughs> I'll write it out, I'll give it away, and I'll shred it, you know. Um, it, it's not an excuse not to write it out. <laughs> Talk about a fear. Um, like anybody's going to care. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there's, there is so much beauty out there in the world. And, and sometimes even just, you know, I see it in children. I see it in, in children's faces. I see it in animals. Um, I see it in people who just have smiles on their faces. It's like, you know, that's just God. That's just God. So thanks for the question, Meg. Thank you, Meg C. Thanks, Kathleen. Anyone else with questions this morning? Before we close, I'll invite once again, star one to unmute. Melissa, this is Abby B. in Maryland. Abby, good morning. And I got you, Melissa. Sharon S. in Ecuador. Sharon S. Okay. Fantastic. Melissa C., go right ahead. Hi. Uh, Thank you so much for your service. And, um, yeah, so I I wanted to ask more about the meditation because – I find like, um, and I'm wondering if you have this 
happened with you. Like, it's almost like I need a guided meditation because, um, like, when I'm meditating on my own, all that seems to come up is, like, my grand to-do list, and it doesn't feel very meditative. It feels very frantic. And I'm wondering if that's something you've experienced, and if so, like, you know, maybe some some suggestions on how you've kind of helped with that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Melissa. No, and I can totally relate. Um, sometimes when I <laughs> when I close my eyes, it's like the to-do list starts coming up. Um, you know, today I need to do this, and I need to do that. Um, but what I try to do is I just try to observe, <coughs> excuse me, observe my thoughts and um and identify my feelings i try to i try to feel it's like what am i feeling right now um because i if i if i if i can identify feelings of um you know that aren't serving me if i can identify them it helps me to free them um so i i'm trying to think if i've ever done there's a there's actually um, an app that someone told me about, and I was using that for a while because it is a guided meditation. It'll, it'll, you know, it'll, and and I find that helpful sometimes. But um, it's easier for me to just sit in the morning and close my eyes and be quiet and observe my feelings, observe my thoughts, to not judge them. You know, if the to-do list comes up, it's like, okay. Let's let the to-do list go and, you know, not be judgmental about it. It's like it happens. And um, and know that, you know, just there's no right or, or wrong way to do it. Um, but I do think sometimes guided meditation is a good thing because it'll keep, it helps keep the focus, you know. Um, I, knew, I know people that do, um, you know, meditation retreats. Um, I've never tried that, but, um, you know, I just like to keep it simple. I keep it simple, and and that's what works for me. But yeah, when the when the to do list comes up, it's like, okay, why don't I let go of that? Let's focus on you know breathing in. I'll start I'll start focusing on breathing in you know, breathing in God. Just breathe it in, breathe out anything that breathe out the to do list. It'll be there. I won't forget to do things. <laughs> so thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Abby B., your turn. Hi, this is Abby B. in Maryland. Thank you, Kathleen. I find just listening to you very, very peaceful. Um, Earl, and I'm going to just ask about something that we all talk about, that as someone who I identify as atheist, I guess, or I don't know, maybe just a naturist, but uh, can you talk about meeting meeting fear with faith and in the situation where you're like face to face with say a person that you fear, for example. Thank you very much. So um, Abby, you're saying when you're, say that last part again, meeting um, a person that you fear? Just meeting, meeting, meeting my fear with faith. You were, you used that for some phrase like that. And so I'm thinking about that in a, in a face to face kind of situation. Where I'm facing the oh, person oh. who I fear. Yes. Okay. Face. Okay. Face the actual. Um, okay. So, um, so basically, it's it's more 
choosing. We have a choice. We can choose fear or we can choose faith. So say there's a person, um, I mean, you know, sometimes I, I have a fear of, you know, that people are judging me. And, um, and it really is a fear because I don't know, you know, I don't know what people are thinking. And, and even if people do judge me, I don't have to judge myself. And I remind myself that what other people say and do, most of it's about them, not me. So even if something looks like, okay, that person um, is, is judging me, but truly what they think of me is none of my business. And, and usually it is, it is about them. Um, so if someone's being hurtful um, or judging, I, I just have faith in the fact that, um, you know, God has my back. And if I know I'm being kind and loving, if, I, if I've been, if there's something I need to make an amend about, that's one thing. But um, I just try to come from, from love and faith. If I have faith that everything's going to be okay, um, that I'm going to trust that my higher power is going to do for me what I can't do for myself, and I am kind, if I come from kind, kindness and love, and patience and tolerance, I'm not going to fear that person. Um, sometimes, I mean, really, if there's someone that's kind of scary, <laughs> it really is about them. And and sometimes just saying a kind word to them or smiling, there, it's you'll you'll see them kind of turn around, you know. Um, People have people, you know. People have their demons, and um, and it's not for me to judge them. It's like I just try to be kind, and and again, it's it's there. We have a choice, you know. We can't have faith and fear at the same time, and it's a lot easier to choose faith and just. But you got to have a higher power to do that. You've got to have faith that that higher power will take care of you. And you know, so far, I think most of us, our higher powers, have taken care of us doesn't mean everything's going to go our way, but in the end, it's all really good. You know, I had, um, I had this weird experience. I was, I had all this stuff I was doing on my computer and all of a sudden, um, maybe some of this this has happened to you guys. All of a sudden this, um, this voice comes over the speaker. It was a woman's voice, you know, don't shut your computer down. Um, you know, you're at risk of, losing everything, call this number, and this stuff came on my screen, and I thought, what the heck? And I was, like, really frustrated, and, and, and it scared me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this? And so I called the number, but I called it, and this is where God's got my back all the time, man. It's so cool. I called the number on my landline, and this landline couldn't hold a charge for some reason. It was dying. And so I call and the guy says, well, you know, what, what kind of computer are you on? And, and um, you need to type this in and, 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 the, and the phone died. And he called me back. And I said, you know, something's wrong with my phone. And, and all of a sudden, this is what came out of my mouth. How do I know you're not a scammer? And my phone went dead again. And then, <laughs> thank God, right? Because someone, I mean, I was ready to type in what this guy wanted. And it's like, people are going, no, 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 that's a scam. And, and I go, but it seems so real. So 
and I don't, I don't know if I'm getting off track with your question, but um, it really, if we have faith that God's going to take care of us, God's going to take care of us. And had, you know, if I'm constantly living in fear, I don't know, maybe I would have used my, my cell phone to call this guy and it wouldn't have died and I would have typed in all this stuff and then been hostage to them giving me, me my computer back um, because that's the biggest scam there is around or one of them. So, yeah, it's, it's making the choice, Abby. It's, um, it's making the choice. You know, am I going to choose faith or am I going to choose fear? And, and, and a lot of it is really being connected with our higher power and, and keeping that connection. And it's daily work to do it. You know, it doesn't just happen. We've got to work at it. So thanks, Abby. Thanks, Abby. And our final question for this morning comes from Sharon S. Hi, Kathleen. Um, thank you so much for your incredible um, story and very pertinent um, share on a great topic. Um, my, my question is, in the very beginning of your talk, you talked about um, real fear and fear and that there are occasionally instances where we should be afraid um, or it might be a real fear. And I... I'm struggling with trying to figure out in making an amends um, if the fe- the fear that I have around this is is for someone else um, that could be harmed from it. I believe, but um, also, am I really being honest about that? Um, I've done things like um, the sick man's prayer, the blessed them change me the, all these things and I'm still stuck in this amends that um, I have been um, not making okay thanks um, thanks for the question and so the the uh, the real fear that I was talking about is that that innate fear we have, um, you know, at a primal level, we have to have fear or we're not going to survive, you know. Um, we're not going to do things like, you know, walk down a dark alley in a bad neighborhood at night. Um, and and if we do, you know, we're going to be aware of what's going on around us um, or we may end up having that as our last day. So there's, there's the, um, there's that fear which we need to have, you know, to survive. Um, but there's, then there's the fear of losing what we have or not getting what we want. And that's the self-centered fear. So I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure if your fear, when you, when you, I think you said, you know, you weren't sure if your fear was real. Is that what you said? Um, and, and how to go about it. I mean, is it a fear I don't know. Give me a call and I'll talk to you about it. Okay. Okay. I can do that. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Um, It's just from the past recent experiences with this person, the harm that they've caused, you know, with me um, towards someone else. I don't want, you know, everything's been quiet because I have had, I've just had nothing to do with this person. And now if I go and make an amends, 
that the same thing will happen and the person that just from past experience, the same thing will happen to the person that got harmed from the amends will happen again. And I guess it's me trying to control the situation, but I, um, I don't want, you know, I'm, I don't want an amends that I make to cause harm to, to someone else. Right. Um, yeah, so I would I would definitely toss that around with people that I mean you can feel free to call me, but um, but yeah, pass that by like your sponsor and other people that you're really comfortable in program with because we don't want to make an, an amends if it's going to harm someone. Um, but you know, if is it is it a fear we're gonna? I mean, we don't know, right? I don't know. I guess I need to know the specifics to really answer that question. But, but I think if if it's an amends um, that needs to be made, um, we have to kind of let go of the of the outcome. If it's if it's something that you that you really feel, if you make the amends, it's going to harm someone else. Then I would say you got to take a look at that because you don't want to do something that's going to harm someone else. But then again, we can't make an assumption of what someone else is going to think or say or do. So right. I don't know if that helps, but yeah. 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 Okay. Thank, thank you so you. much. All right. Sure. The importance of sharing with networks to come up with these answers. Thank you so much, Sharon S., for that question. And thanks to everybody for your questions this morning. Of course, thank you to our speaker, Kathleen O., for your valuable presentation this morning. Very, very helpful. Thank you so very much for your generous spirit on a vision for you. We're going to close from page 164. You'll notice that it is in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.